0: There's many ways you can network, but you've got to build it and maintain it. You can't go backwards. So a lot of women who get suddenly retrenched, for example, will start the networking mm. and, and realise how they've not invested in it. And as soon as they get the next big job, their head is down, their bum is up, and they stop their networking again. Mm. And I just don't get it. There might be 12 reasons why women will join behind closed doors, but the reason why they've stayed is I think they have for the first time in their life, put time into their own growth and development and in building those those networks. Mm. That's what men have done famously for years. They, they they develop networks and they keep them. And that's what women have, have. To, if, if it was written on their position description for any role that they're in, that they had to do it, they'd do it. But I've never seen it on a position description yet. No. No.
1: Welcome to episode 106 of Be The Drop, a weekly podcast that helps you become a top communicator by sharing stories from people who are influential in their field. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. In the past decade, there has been substantial conversation about the need to increase the number of senior positions for women in business and on boards. Yet there is still much work to do, and as my guest this week, Donnie Walford, said, it's lonely at the top for men, but it's even lonelier for women as there's just not enough of us. Donnie Walford is the founder of DW Bottom Line Transition Strategies and Behind Closed Doors. She has an incredible record of success working with boards, executive, senior management and business owners across industry, government and the not-for-profit sector. In today's episode of Be The Drop, Donnie discusses the critical importance for women to invest in themselves. We talk about the value of networking to achieve career advancement. Plus, Donnie shares her top tips on how to leverage the best results from networking. This is Donnie's version of Be The Drop. Are you looking for more communication insights? Then jump onto Facebook and join me and my community of brand storytelling superheroes. It's absolutely free to join and we provide a supportive space for you to ask questions and also share a range of helpful storytelling resources. So if this sounds like your kind of group, head over to Facebook and join the brand Storytelling Superheroes. Thank you so much for joining me, Donnie, on our next episode of Be The Drop. Oh, you're welcome. So you've got your item significance. Can you explain that and tell us about, you know, how it connects with you and your community and the story of, you know, of you?
0: Okay. This is a Palais jewellery and Anna Diamond was Behind Closed Doors' first ever entrepreneur winner of our scholarship. And when uh, Behind Closed Doors turned 10, I thought I'd love to give members who had supported us from five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, a piece of jewellery from her. Then we were to choose which saying on the piece of, on the pendant, and I chose this one for me. I thought it summed up me beautifully. Dream big, be grateful, give
1: love, laugh lots. So that's me good there's a lot going on there what a great sentiment so you know you've covered quite a few things there um talking about behind closed doors which i'd love to discuss more so perhaps let's start by telling the story of why did you start behind closed doors what was that reason that drove you to start up that organization
0: two prong one was one was a vision and one was um, out of uh, i had a 20-year career in banking and I was the only female in senior management in the last four years, and it was very lonely. And I'm—I know it's lonely for men at the top. It's lonelier for women only because there's not enough of us. I, I had a lot to learn, and I learned the hard way. And these are days when there were no mentors, no coaches, so you learned the hard way by by mistakes. Uh, but you can you can learn by your mistakes. Uh, <laughs> your mistakes. Yeah. And sometimes I think you learn the better lessons that way but it's it's tough on you emotionally when all you ever hear is what you do wrong and and you never get the pat on the back on what you do right. What I consciously thought back then and this is in the the um, early to mid-90s is I don't want other women to go through what I'm going through and also there were very few women's networks and the women's networks that that were around in those days mm. were not talking business. That needed to be changed as well. There needed to be f- networks for women, particularly women who don't like networking, mm. to give them that safe environment to, to, to come to and, and not feel like they're the only woman in the room. So, so there are a number of reasons why Behind Closed Doors started formulating in my head, but most of it was I wanted to give women support and encouragement to get into executive roles and when they got there to stay there mm. because it's actually tougher once you get there. Mm. My vision though was to get more women onto boards. Mm-hmm. So if I could have more women who owned and operated their own businesses to grow those businesses and start exporting and employing a lot more people, and women who got into executive roles staying there, that made it easier for basically men who were chairing boards and directing boards to choose a bigger pool to mm. choose from for their board di- female board directors. Mm. Um, and, and and I'm really pleased to say that we've put 67% of women onto boards since we started Behind Closed Doors mm. and, and no one else is boasting those numbers and now we're starting to get women onto ASX boards and some serious... Um, company boards interstate as well so Mm -hmm. it's it's working yeah it's working
1: fantastic and what a brilliant journey and a great role model that you are and it's so important to have those other people that you can look at and you know and see yourself in. So you started um, Behind Closed Doors and created this space. You had the vision and you had the concept, but how did you then go into implementing and growing this now national network um, for women? So
0: I started off with a with a breakfast and uh, I made sure it wasn't Too early in the morning and and didn't interfere with school drop-offs and I got a lot of kudos just for that. So there were 18 women and Kate Costello and I just said this is my idea, this is why I'm doing it, this is what I want to do, this is my model, what do you think? And we brainstormed it for a couple of Um, Hours and I adopted some of the changes. And then mid-July of 2008, I set up my first group, and six months later I set up my second group because 50% of the members from the first group said to their friends and colleagues, you've got to join Behind Closed Doors. And then six months later, I set up my third group and I thought, I'm going, I'm moving. (laughs) And then it was uh, Kate Costello and um, another facilitator said, you need to take this nationally. You shouldn't just keep it in Adelaide. So I set up Melbourne and Sydney. And I underestimated, I thought being Melbourne and Sydney being larger population, larger business population, larger amount of women in business. But what I underestimated was no one knew Donnie Walford. No one knew what Behind Closed Doors was all about. So, mm. And also I wasn't there every day like I was in Adelaide. When I break it down into how many days I was there... Yeah. It, it was three months maximum. I, I guess it, yeah, it was taking risks, mm-hmm. and uh, but I had such a belief in what I was doing and everyone I was speaking to said it was amazing mm-hmm. uh, that they wanted to support it, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's how
1: it happened. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the, the concept itself behind clothes doors you know, and, and what you believe the real strength of that model is.
0: Women have never really invested time in their own development. They develop their own kids. They develop their own employees, but very rarely develop themselves. And if they do, they do it tertiary. So they'll get an MBA, they'll get a degree or a master's or something like that. But as far as professional development in having a a peer group of women that they could sit down on a regular basis and talk about issues, strategies, challenges in a totally confidential environment, hence the name, and there's a zero tolerance on it. So it gives women that safe environment with no agendas and and just remove that shining coat of armour that they, they wear day in and day out. Um, and, and gives them permission really to be vulnerable if they need to be. Um, but a lot of the time it's not. It's talking strategy. It's, it's talking about business growth. But you still don't want that mm. information going out to clients, competitors. No. It, you know, you want that safe environment mm. to be open and honest. And there might be 12 reasons why women will join behind closed doors. But the reason why they've stayed is I think they have... For the first time in their life, put time into their own growth and development, and in building those those networks. Mm. That's what men have done famously for years. Yeah. They 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 develop networks, and they keep them. Mm. You know, their old school networks, their golfing networks, now their cycling networks, and whatever. They realise the importance of networking, mm. and that's what women have have. To, if, if it was written on their position description for any role that they're in, that they had to do it, they'd do it. But I've never seen it on a position description yet. No, no.
1: And it is, you know, I've worked in many traditional male-dominated d- industries and it's built into those. But so how many women important. do you
0: know will go and play golf during during the workday? No. To build their networks? None. 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 And yet so much work gets, I mean, it's a long walk around a golf course, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. It's more than 10,000 steps. Yeah. So how much talking do you think you're doing mm. um, around a golf course? Yeah. And and you're sharing something in common, and that's the other thing. Networking yeah. is all about commonality. Mm. So you, you find something in common, you enjoy it. There's many ways you can network, but you've got to maintain it. So a lot of women who get suddenly retrenched, for example, will start their networking mm. and, and realise how they've not invested in it. And as soon as they get the next big job, their head is down, their bum is up, and they stop their networking again. Mm. And I just don't get it. I think the big thing
1: is that time commitment. It, it is. is a real commitment. To yeah, it. It's
0: a commitment. If it's important in your career to do, why wouldn't you make that a priority mm-hmm. than
1: something else that kept you indoors? In a way, are we our own worst enemy? How do, how do we embrace that? Is that something that you cover in in, in behind closed yes. doors? Yes, yes, mm.
0: it is. Yeah, and and when you start the conversations, they're interested in it. It's just that when ah when you're you're out networking, as you say. Uh, If the conversation goes down the nurturing line, women will go down the nurturing line. If it goes around the children, it'll go around the children. If it goes around um, the garden, it'll go around the garden. If you have someone who started injecting the business conversation and the strategic conversation and economic development, whatever, they're into it. Mm. They'll discuss it. But it needs to be led. There's very few women who will lead the discussions or break out of the discussions
1: mm. to change the subject. That's been a personal challenge that I've found within women's networking groups. There's been a lot of focus on that. Okay, so one thing I'd like to do is if you could share with me a story around, you know, along this journey, whether it was setting up um, behind closed doors or previously working in the banking industry. Have you got something like that that you could share and then, you know, what you've learnt from that? I would, I would have to
0: say, it's probably the few years I spent in government, and I had uh, initiated Defence SA and, and wanted to set South Australia up as the Defence Capital of capital of Australia. I'd set up uh, the Defence Board, and, and so it was a really powerful board. And then we were putting a project team together, which I thought I was going to lead, seeing that was my whole idea was initiated. And anyway, they decided they needed to bring in um, a male. Anyway, long story short, he lasted a few months because he, he wasn't a yes man and that's obviously what they wanted him to be. And so for the first time in my career, I always thought it was a gender thing, male against female and males didn't want you there, you know, sort of thing. And then I saw it was actually about power. That actually made me relax as a woman in business to think, that if, if I got a hard time, it actually wasn't about me being a woman. It was just about whatever the power struggle was. So that was a real, that was a ha-ha moment because I could help other women then. The journey in getting into executive roles is tough. But being there is tougher, and it's tough for men too. Yeah. So, so it's just a different game, and I and I guess it's been played out in politics now, I mean, mm. just just very recently. <laughs> what a mess, um, yes. Well, it's a mess, and uh, but that's all power. Well, it so different in business, mm. you know. And w- and when they say things like "toughen up, princess" and whatever, oh, they're not just saying that to women; no. <laughs> they're saying that to men. Mm. So it is it's tough, and you have to be tough. You have to be resilient. You mm. have to be persistent, and, and you know, all all those attributes of success, you know, the Gail Kellys of the world didn't get to the head of Westpac by not having toughness. Mm. And when women say to me, even around a board table or a, a um, behind closed doors and say, well, I know what the game is, but I just don't want to play it, well, go, get out the game. Mm. And you still have to be very true to your own values and, and so sometimes you're going to walk off of boards, out of organisations. Mm. Um, And that's why I think a lot of women have started up their own businesses because they don't really want to play the game. Mm. Um, And as I said, it's tough. I always thought that if you were a good performer, that would determine your success because you're a good performer. That is just not right. (laughs) Mm. I know many, many women who are great performers who lose their jobs. They get retrenched, they get moved out, they get bullied. And I've seen it happen to men too. It's not just, once again, it's not that gender thing.
1: Now, I'm going to get my phone because we've got a little bit of a power round. Um, The first one is your number one tip for success in business. Definitely networking. Develop networks,
0: maintain them, build them, never let them go. Great. That was very
1: succinct. You don't need a minute. Does that mean i don't get extra for the others? <laughs> Maybe. Well, there's, only, there's only two, so that's all right. And the second one is around your biggest challenges in business and how to overcome it. It would have to be when the state bank collapsed and uh,
0: I had just taken over my first branch manager role. There were 35 uh, members of the team. Um, I'd, I'd done one week. Um, My husband walked out on me a week earlier and uh, so I was already reeling from that but knew I couldn't fail because men would just go, see, told you a woman couldn't be a bank manager. So, you know, it could not, could not even look like I was in pain. And then on the Sunday at 7am I got a call from an executive member of the bank to come in Bring as many people of my team and the wider bank as I could muster. To get on the phones and ring four and a half thousand employees all around the country to tell them that the very that the bank was losing two point two billion dollars and there'd be a run on funds the next day and we had to we had a script I had to set up a script and let them know exactly what they were going to face the next day so we worked from something like seven thirty in the morning until eight o'clock that night just mm. ring and we rang every single one of those four and a half thousand. And, and that was just the – I thought that was very challenging just that day. Oh, my God, the next day I'd go back to this branch. I'd only been in for a week. I didn't know my customers because I'd just been there a week. And we had people like – we were in – I was running Nord branch and they were lined up down the street and took their money out and put it in Combank and then we got abused and spat on and and the bummer was all the people taking the heat weren't the people who gave bad loans no. and what i learned out of it is you can't take it personally you just, you just but, but it gave me a huge opportunity to be one of very few to turn the bank on its head and and become a, a real customer focused and sales focused
1: organization. Mm. And that was longer than a minute but I let you go because that was, you know, that's a that's a serious challenge. And I like that outcome that you know, taking that and turning it around and becoming customer focused and sales focused, which is so important in business. Absolutely. And banks are now one of the
0: best at customer experience and customer mm. focus.
1: And they really weren't. So oh, they were not. No. <laughs> they were not. So This
0: turned this turned around banking where we used to go to, you used to come to us on your hands and knees, can I please have a home loan? Can I please have a car loan? Yeah. We, we immediately turned and we went on hands and knees, please bank with us, please mm. come and get your home loan from us. It was just... Over a matter of days, we just had to completely change the way we thought and the way we did business. Mm.
1: Well, thank you so much, Donnie. I've loved sharing all of your stories and hearing them. Um, But in conclusion, can you share with me your top tip for being a communicator of influence? You know, how do you really be someone in your industry, whatever that might be, that is, you know, a thought leader?
0: I think two, two things. Become an expert listener if you're not already. And secondly, learn to ask good questions. Mm. So both are really, really valuable. So you hear that old adage of you've got two ears, one mouth, use it in that proportion. Mm. It's more powerful to ask others through that careful questioning what they're thinking, what they think the impact would be if something was decided upon, going this way, that way, whatever. And then you can summarise at the end and put your little gem in, mm. or let them all know it's exactly the way I'm thinking, and that's great that we all agree. You know, yeah. it's it, it's a great position rather than always be the first person out of the blocks and mm. and and being always the first person to have
1: something to say. Mm, fantastic, very good advice. I love that. Thanks so much, Donnie. You're welcome. It was
0: great. Thank yeah. you.
1: Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be the Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au and don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.